It's hard to argue that Jesus didn't walk the earth at some point in history. But if he did, was he just a man or something more? This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Well, it's great to have you back here this week on Signs of the Times Radio. I'm Daniel Kubedek. I'm the assistant editor of the magazine. And with me today is someone that is most probably familiar to you already if you listen to our show, and that is Mr. Kent Kingston. How you doing, Daniel? I'm pretty good, thanks. It's, it's interesting to be on the on the other side of, of the desk, as it were, with you taking control today. I guess our listeners need to know you're not only the assistant editor of Science of the Times magazine, but you are also the producer of the podcast every week. So, yeah, the, he's, he's the man who, who makes it sound good. Thank you for that, Daniel. Let's hope that it does sound good. If it does sound good, then be sure to let us know because we have a Facebook page and that's where we post our podcast every week. We love hearing feedback from our listeners. Now, Kent, I want to know, how have you been? What have you been up to lately? Because it's been quite busy around the office. Uh, we've been traveling, doing various mm-hmm. things. Yeah, where have you been at lately? Well, I guess the the biggest thing uh, that both you and I attended recently, although I think you did the first half, I did the second half, was a, a big annual convention of the Adventist Church up there in the, the north of Brisbane at Dacobin, known by its uh, friends as Big Camp. So we, we were there meeting with a, a whole bunch of people. We found a, a number of Science Magazine fans there, people who are out there sharing the magazine, people whose lives have been changed th- through a journey that, you know, that includes included Science Magazine, which which is, you know, pretty amazing and pretty encouraging, I guess, for us because, you know, you write these articles, you send it off to the printer, and then you, you sort of release it into the wild, and you, you kind of never really know what impact those articles are having, who's reading them, you know, what difference it might be making in people's lives, and we just got a little bit of a glimpse there at that event that, yeah, it, it is making a difference, people do appreciate it, and, yeah, people love to read it and love to share it with others, which is, you know, what Science of the Times is all about. Yeah, that's right. I, I think I was most surprised that a lot of people understand how how the magazine is being used to, to reach out to people and whatever. So mm. that was part of the feedback that, that really got me as well. There was yeah. quite a few stories I heard about people who ended up learning about God for the first time because of the magazines. So that was pretty cool as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, one, one thing that people were um, quite keen on was the fact that with any new or additional subscription to the magazine, which is just, you know, 26 bucks for, for a whole year supply, we're also giving away a free book or, or a free DVD. And that offer was not just for that annual convention period. It, it continues to, to this day. So yeah, if, if you are listening and you're interested in subscribing to the magazine, you'd like to get a hold of a free book, which is, uh, the, the book's called Of Falafels and Finding Jesus by Nathan Brown, who who has uh, appeared on this podcast or a, a radio show a, a couple of times. So yeah, it's a kind of a, a Middle East uh, travelogue, I guess you'd call it. His, uh, his memoirs of traveling the Middle East least and a few other um, authors have, have helped him out with that. That's that's a good read. That, that'll make you think and it, it'll make you laugh as well. There's a, a few sort of funny stories in there. And your other option for any new or, or additional Science Magazine subscription is uh, a DVD. It's a drama based on a true story, as they like to say, Hell and Mr. Fudge, the true story of Edward Fudge, who was chal- he was a theologian, an evangelical guy in, in the US, was challenged to find out 
you know, hey, what does the Bible really say about hell? You know, is what is what you believe actually more about church tradition or can it be biblically supported? And when he went and explored what the Bible actually says about hell, he came up with some surprising results that were, yeah, surprising for him and uh, a bit of a challenge for a number of his you know, evangelical colleagues and, and family members. So, yeah, they, um, if people are interested in that, yeah, send us an email, uh, info at signsofthetimes.org.au um, or you can just subscribe on the website, signsofthetimes.org.au and make sure in that coupon code box there you put the word either falafel or fudge and it will send you a free book or DVD. Mm, absolutely. That book I found was very popular when we were at South Queensland. So I hope mm. everyone who got their free copy while they were up there or anyone who listens in, in Dakabin or anyone who was there at South Queensland, Hello to all of you. I hope you're enjoying your book, those who did subscribe and get the book. Mm. Now, another another thing that has had you very busy lately is mm. we've got a new project coming up now. If anyone wants to know how things are, are subdivided in this office, we, mm-hmm. we sort of do, Kent and I have our various tasks within the, the wider context of the magazine as far as what we, what we take care of. And one of the big projects that we've got coming up is a Pacific Science magazine. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, this is going to be massive. The One Million Pacific Science Project. So what we're doing right now is preparing a special edition of Science magazine that is designed particularly for a South Pacific Island audience. So Pacific authors, Pacific faces, Pacific stories, that, that's what it's all about. And we are planning over the next few years to print out at least one million of, uh, of these magazines, of these, these special Pacific editions. And for people in the, in the Pacific Islands, PNG particularly uh, next year, they're ha- having a big, big push there, out, like reaching out to their, their community, you know, sharing their faith. And this will be a resource that will help them to do that. So yeah, we'll be printing out at least 200,000, maybe 300,000, maybe more, you know, donations are one of the, uh, I guess, variables there that will, will help us um, you know, be able to, to meet that demand. So yeah, 1 million Pacific signs is definitely something uh, worth uh, looking out for. And again, you know, if you're interested, if you'd like to know more, hey, you know, drop us a line via email, info at signsofthetimes.org.au. Yep. It's definitely a very exciting project. Now, speaking of a very exciting project, there's a very non-relevant segue. <laughs> Ken, so we, we've had you on the podcast many times. Mm-hmm. Usually you're the one asking the questions, which gives me a great deal of power because now I get to ask you the questions. Yeah. And also you're you've, me. You've, you've written quite a few articles, but let's, let's just delve into who you are as far as your, your background. So mm-hmm. Because this week's podcast or this article that you wrote for us in this month's Signs of the Times October edition called Son of God, which Mm -hmm. focuses on Jesus, you are obviously a person who believes in Jesus. Can you just tell us what's your background? Did you did you always believe in Jesus? Did you grow up knowing Jesus, or did you discover him at some point? What's what's your sort of story? Well, look, Daniel, if, if you're looking for for one of those one of those stories that you know I was sleeping in the gutter and you know shooting up heroin and and you know with a you know different woman every night and then it was about my sixth birthday where I decided to make a change to my life. <laughs> you know, I'm. I, I do not have uh, one of those stories. I do have, uh, I guess, a story that's that the more the more I grow, that I realise how beautiful it was. The the opportunities that I had. I grew up in a very loving 
Christian family, you know, very firm beliefs, but not in that sort of strict or judgmental way, but incredibly consistent, incredibly loving. And I guess I was shown uh, the love of God from the way that uh, my mum and dad, you know, parented me and, and my siblings. We were, we were a very happy family. Yeah, of course, you know, we had arguments and difficulties and saw things differently from time to time, but we were always appreciated for who we were as individuals, our individual gifts and talents. And, you know, we, my dad is a pastor, so, you know, we, we went to church, you know, regularly, just about every week. Often it was, you know, different churches because, you know, he'd be preaching around different churches. So we went with him. So I guess I got to see a lot of different church communities, large and small, and, and experience a, a lot of uh, aspects of, of church life. And, and that has been, a, I guess, a really good foundation for me. And, and also, I guess, you know, having a pastor as a dad meant that, yeah, we did have, you know, biblical discussions. You know, some families are really into sport and they'll, you know, they'll sit around and they'll talk about sport and sports st- statistics and things like that. You know, other people are right into politics, you know, very political families. My family was very much, you know, into the Bible, into discussing, you know, the meaning of life, into discussing you know, what, what makes us happy and, and all that sort of stuff. So those were the sort of dinner table conversations we had. So I, I very much did inherit this interest in, in faith and in meaning and in understanding the, the Bible and history and how it all fits together. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's been a real blessing to me, I guess, a, a real, um, a real great foundation on, on which to, to build a, a meaningful life. So, so you're, what you're saying is there was no one particular moment that was like, aha, kind of, I, I feel it now. I understand what I want to do with my life. I want to accept Jesus. It was like a sort of a gradual learning and a maturation process. Look, I guess I'd have to say I never seriously contemplated the idea that, you know, God didn't exist at all. To me, it just seems very self-evident just to, you know, look around at, at the planet. I mean, some listeners may think, well, there you go. You've been brainwashed very effectively, haven't you? Mm. <laughs> but but I guess, you know, a good 90-odd percent of the world's, you know, population believes in some sort of spiritual force, some sort of spiritual power, and, and I'm with them. But yeah, I I always believed that that God was real. I always believed that Jesus was real and and, and historical. But I guess what you're asking is, when did that become real to me? More more than just intellectually, and and for me, I guess being more of an intellectual sort of person, I can't point to a lot of experiences where I had you know sort of mystical encounters uh, with the divine or, or that sort of thing. There was. I think there was one particular time when I was in university where I was just sitting there. It was a beautiful morning. It was in, in South Australia at the McGill campus there, beautiful, big red gum trees. It was just a beautiful golden morning, you know, the sunlight filtering through the trees. And, and suddenly it just hit me, this incredible complexity and incredible beauty that was all around me. And, and for me, that was a very very divine moment. I, I connected that moment with God's presence and with the reality of God, and in particular, his His creative power and just the presence of the Holy Spirit, just suffusing that whole scene. And, you know, those little birds, you know, just little animals, each tiny being there with its little heart, you know, fluttering away inside of it, just this little miracle flying around on, on wings, each these massive trees, you know, with the you know, just slowly sucking up the nutrients and the water from the soil and catching the sunlight. I just realized, wow, I'm surrounded by these things that I take for granted so often, but 
they're just a series of miracles, you know, miracle after miracle after miracle. And suddenly I realized that the ordinary is in fact, you know, magical. And what we call supernatural is in fact, you know, every day to a certain point. And I guess at that point, the line between what is uh, what is physical and metaphysical sort of blurred at that point. And I realized, wow, you know, the presence of God and the action of God does uh, reach into our realm in so many little ways that we so often, uh, you know, neglect to or even refuse to, to recognize. So that was certainly a moment for me. Um, but I guess the the crucial moment for me was more uh, intellectual and it was a few years before that and I was 17 and I just realized that God, I had to accept the fact that God actually knows me better than I know myself and has a better plan for my life than I could ever plan for myself. And you know, you know, 17 years old, just at that time of life when I was getting more and more independence and deciding what I wanted to do with my own life, it was a real struggle to actually be able to say to God, God, I hand over my will and my life to you. But I did. And I did it with tears. Um, but it was a, a very real surrender and a, a very real moment for me where, you know, where I, I gave my life to God. Mm, absolutely. So with this month's article that you've written for mm. us, though, you're, you're writing about Jesus and and the question of divinity. Now, what does that mean when, when you say Jesus as a, as a divine as opposed to Jesus as a man. What, what does that mean and why did you want to tackle that issue? Well, uh, I guess, you know, a, lo- a lot of people know about Jesus and most people say, yeah, he was a good guy, he was a, a good teacher. But I guess a lot of us are pretty intellectually lazy when it comes to, you know, working out who is or, or who was Jesus. And I'm not just hanging that sort of laziness accusation on on non-believers because I think believers too are lazy you know we we often just assume things and just accept what we've been taught without really challenging ourselves and and thinking about it so um I guess to you know in thinking about Jesus it's uh, I mean I, I know your question Daniel is about Jesus divinity but I think for a lot of people it even goes a lot further back than that there are people out there who are even asking the question did Jesus even exist? You know, mm-hmm. even ju- just as as a human being, and, and I think we probably need to set that to to rest just just straight off. There's a um, an academic here in Sydney, uh, Professor um, John Dixon. He works with uh, Sydney University and also Macquarie University, and he has said repeatedly. He's put this challenge out there. He said that he will eat a page of his Bible if there is anywhere in the world a full professor of classics or ancient history or, or New Testament who actually believes that Jesus is not a true historical figure. Because this accusation is being thrown around, Daniel, that people say, well, he didn't even exist. Like, he's a, he's a mythical, legendary figure, not even real. But what John Dixon is saying, you know, by putting that, I'll eat my page of my Bible challenge out there, what he is saying is, look, anyone who's actually involved in history and in looking at this period of history, no one seriously believes that, you know, that Jesus didn't exist. I've even heard it said that there's more historical evidence for the existence of Jesus than there is for, you know, someone like Julius Caesar, for example. Mm. There is a lot of evidence. So, so the idea that, oh, did, did he even exist? I think from a, an actual academic, you know, whether you're a believer or not, doesn't matter from an academic intellectual point of view. I think we need to start from that foundation. Yes, he was a real uh, historic figure. 
then of course, and I get into this a, a little bit in, in the article, Daniel, we have to ask, okay, well, let, let's accept then that Jesus was a, a real actual human being. He walked and talked, you know, on this earth in the area of Israel and Palestine now, he about you know two thousand nearly two thousand years ago. So who was he? What what about these claims that are made for him? As you said, you know, is is he divine? And and in in looking at this in the article, I turn to this classic quote from uh, C.S. Lewis, who of course you know we know wrote the the Narnia series, but he also wrote a, a bunch of other books aimed more at adults, and some of them are pretty heavy going. Have you had a go at any of them, Daniel? I think I have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of his, I guess, more readable ones is called Mere Christianity. And and uh, that's, you know, 1952, but it's considered a, a classic. Uh, this is a, a quote from, from Mere Christianity. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, as in about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Yeah, it's interesting. End quote. Wow. It's interesting you say that because there there are like so many people who would acknowledge the, the presence of Jesus in history, as you mentioned previously, mm. but would not take it any further than that. When I, when I say this, I think about, for example, at Adventist Media here, we produced a, a web series called the I Am Series. And yeah. throughout that, there's a few Vox Pops that where they went and interviewed people on the street and asked them what they thought about Jesus. And quite a few people, even if they weren't believers, you know, would acknowledge that Jesus did in fact walk the earth mm. at one point. But that's about it. Like, you know, he was a good person or he, you know, mm-hmm. he did all these good things, but that, that there's no, nothing more to it as far as his power goes. Mm. But you do in fact suggest that there, there is more to it. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you look at Jesus and, and he says things like, you know, I and the father and uh, are one, you know, um, before Abraham was, I am, you know, and saying things like this, Jesus is identifying himself as God. He's saying, no one can come to the father except through me. I mean, if you're a, a if you're a mental health professional, you, you might start wondering, oh, is this delusions of grandeur here? You know, was Jesus actually a madman? Did he have an overinflated idea of who he was? But then you look at his behaviour and you see his attitude of sacrifice. You see him reaching out incredibly tenderly to the to the least valued members of, of his society, and you realise there's something going on here. That's this is not someone who is self obsessed. You know, this is someone who, as he said himself, you know, I didn't come here to be served, but to serve. And he did that. He lived that out. So, but he said this stuff that you're like, well, either this guy's crazy or it's true. You know, it doesn't really leave us much of an option. And I guess the other option is that he was just lying. You know, people, um, you know, it's, it's been said that the guy who started the Scientology cult, you know, said, oh, you know, a few years before he actually started, he said, oh, it'd be fun to start a cult. You know, you can make a lot of money that way and blah, blah, blah. And, and then he went and did it. 
but you know he did make a lot of money he you know and a lot of cult leaders you know have access to i guess a lot of vulnerable people and there's you know a lot of sex and exploitation involved and that sort of stuff you don't see that with jesus he in fact you know in in establishing his movement goes on the road and becomes pretty much a, a homeless person you know couch surfing from one place to another he doesn't have a job he has to rely on the support of other people and then he ends up arrested and executed and you think well if you're starting up a cult jesus you didn't do a very good job you know what i mean he he wasn't in it for what he could get out of it in terms of you know power or or sex or or money or or anything like that and and that sort of puts pause to the thought that you know was was he a liar and and what c.s lewis is saying here is look you know is Jesus a lunatic? Is he a liar? Or, or is he Lord? And basically he says, you, you really need to pick one of those one of those options. He says, because you can't pick the option that he was just a good guy. He didn't act like someone who was just a good guy. He, he was a good guy who claimed he was God and good guys don't go around claiming they're God. Mm. And, and it's interesting because then you, you segue from, from talking about, you know, this logical aspect of it, you mm. know, tossing up between, you know, was he or, or is he or, or not, mm. to then saying that, you know, to, to fully understand the divinity of, divinity of Christ requires a personal encounter. Now, yeah. a, few, a few people, you know, quite a few people in the Bible had personal encounters with Christ and you chose to talk about one of those, which was the woman in Samaria. Can you just tell mm. us a little bit about that story? Yeah, well, this is a fascinating story, and it comes from one of the four accounts of Jesus' life, which we call the gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, this comes from John, which in some ways is the more sort of poetic, mystical version of the gospels. It's a, it's I mean, some incredible literature. Even if you don't believe it, it's 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 worth a, a read, and. John is really clear about his purpose in in writing his book. You know, he starts at the very beginning talking about Jesus and his identity and and how, you know, John believes that Jesus came from before time, from before creation of the world and was in fact involved with the creation of the world. He says, you know, he he calls Jesus the word, you know, which has resonances for both his Jewish and and Greek readers. He says, you know, and and the word was with God and the word was God. And then at the very end of of the Gospel of John, John says, you know, these things are written so that you may believe. John is very clear that his whole purpose in writing his gospel, you know, his account of the life and, and teachings of Jesus is so that people will believe that he is the son of God. So each one of the stories or and accounts and teachings of Jesus that John records sort of fit into that that larger purpose. And this story in, in the fourth chapter of John about um, an encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at, at a well is, is a great example example of this. So basically Jesus and his his disciples are, are traveling, you know, on foot as they usually do. They, um, they come to a well in a, the region of, of Samaria, which Jews and Samaritans didn't get along very well at this point. In fact, I'm not sure they, they even do to, to this day. The disciples went off to buy some food. Jesus stayed at the well there. It's the middle of the day, so quite hot. Usually, of course, the, the women would come and fill their jars at the well in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening, you know, and they'd 
you know, be a bit of a chat and a catch up and everything. And but in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, one single woman comes out to the well to um, to fill her jar, which suggests that she's possibly trying to avoid that um, gossip session at the beginning or the, or the end of the day, perhaps because she is the butt of of a, a lot of this gossip. And Jesus, you know, surprises her very much by asking her for a drink, and that this is sort of crazy because Jews generally did not touch any bowls or drinking um, you know, cups or, or anything like that that had been touched by someone who wasn't a, a ceremonially pure Jew. And also men and women, and there are still cultures today where this, this is the case, men and women do not speak to one another in, in public un- unless they're related. Um, this is just you know, you're asking for trouble. So she's really surprised. She recognizes him as a Jew, I guess, by the way he's dressed or his accent or, or whatever. And this conversation starts between them. And he he reveals that he knows who she is. He has this this divine insight somehow that she's she's living in a de facto relationship at the minute with, with a guy, and she's actually been married five times previously. And he just knows this. He just seems to be able to see into her heart and see into her history. And she is just amazed by this and says, "Oh, you, you know, you must be a prophet." So totally, you know, blows her away. And then, you know, he's, she, st- she tries to distract him by talking about, you know, religious controversies between the Jews and, and the Samaritans, but he won't be distracted by this. You know, he keeps coming back to the point and coming back to the point and says these in- incredibly cryptic, but, you know, wise things that really just keep this conversation getting deeper and deeper. And, and in the end, you know, Jesus says to her, possibly much more clearly than he said to anyone up to that point. He says, yeah, I, I am the Messiah. You know, she starts talking about the Messiah. He goes, well, yeah, that's me. She just freaks out basically. And she runs back to the village and calls everyone for the village to say, hey, come out to the well. This guy is amazing. And you know, could this be the Messiah? It's, it's a, an incredible encounter. And, and it's one that had an impact on, on that, that whole um, that whole village, you know, by this woman's, I guess, shame being revealed in some way. But Jesus doesn't tr- doesn't talk to her in a in a judgmental way. He crosses these social boundaries, and there's just so much in this little story that I guess you know we can learn about what sort of person Jesus was and what sort of God he was trying to teach uh, about. You know, if Jesus is God. We see him, we re- recognize through the Gospel of John, through this story in particular, that he's an incredible, humble God, which is just a paradoxical idea that even today, you know, many of us struggle with. Mm. Now, obviously, having a look at all this, we, we might have people out there who are listening to this who uh, are thinking about Christ and, uh, you know, understand the mm. logic of, this, of all this, like you mentioned, but would like to experience him. Mm. What's what's something that we can do to sort of kick off that journey in a sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what I would say to you, anyone who's, who's listening on Faith FM or on any of our uh, podcast platforms, if you are looking to find out, you know, who is Jesus? You know, who was Jesus? Is he real? Was he in fact God? I've got a challenge for you. Read a chapter of the book of John, or, or maybe Luke. Luke's a, a little more, a little more concrete, a, a little more prosaic. But Luke or John is probably a good place to start. Get a modern translation. It's online. Like you can look it up via Bible Gateway or U Version or, or whatever. They're online Bibles. So read a chapter of, let's say, the Gospel of John every day. But don't read it until you have. You know, till you're in a quiet place and you've said either in your mind or out loud, say, Jesus, if you are real and if you're still alive today, help me find you as, as I read. 
I want to discover who you are and how you can transform my life. And then, you know, maintain that attitude of openness uh, of heart and mind and, and read just a chapter a day and read it slowly. Let it sink in. Think about it. Think about the implications. Think about how it might apply to your situation. That can be hard sometimes, reading about something in the Middle East, you know, more nearly 2,000 years ago. But I believe there's real power in these gospel accounts. And, and I really do believe that, the, that Jesus, you know, through the Holy Spirit, will be present with you uh, as you read and that he will uh, reveal himself to you. Mm, absolutely. Hey, thanks so much, Kent, for, for coming on and sharing your experiences with and encounters with Christ and then also sharing how others can encounter Christ. It, it's been a really good, really good chat that we've had here today. Thank you so much. No, thanks, Daniel. Um, of course, our listeners can uh, read the article online on our website, signsofthetimes.org.au. Check it out. It's called Son of God. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast. 